Well, good morning. My name is Chris. And uh, back in about November, I emailed out a whole group of people, probably 30, 40 people. And I asked a simple question. I said, hey, what would you like uh, me to speak on? I was just trying to get a sense for where people were kind of in their life and spiritually and things that were kind of maybe moving around in their spirit. And I got incredible responses, very varied responses, but incredible responses. But one of those similarities that uh, many, many people said was, we'd love for you just to go through a, a book of the Bible. I was like, that's a great idea, Let's, you know, if we just spent some time in one book. And then I started thinking about it, I was like, man, there's a lot of great books in the Bible. It doesn't really narrow things down much. And as we kind of came into uh, this, this kind of summer months, we were talking about, you know, what series should we do? What should we talk on? I was praying about what, what I should talk on. And this going through the book of a Bible kind of thought kind of rose up and, uh, the story of Jonah just kind of emerged into my spirit. And uh, I can't remember the last time I personally have read through the entire book of Jonah. I don't know if I ever have. And uh, growing up as a kid, I'd go to uh, vacation Bible school and uh, they would have the felt boards. Remember felt boards? Great technology. And uh, and uh, the teacher would talk about this great whale swallowing Jonah, and that's all I really knew of the story. And so I started reading through the story of Jonah, and what I quickly discovered was his story reflects all of our story. And his story reflects the stories of everyone from the beginning of mankind. And you're going to see that over the next four weeks, how his story just reflects. There's going to be these moments where you're, you're going to feel like, yeah, that's me. Yeah, I've gone through that. Yeah, I've had that moment. Now, the specifics will be all different, but the moments will be the same. You see, you read the Old Testament and you have this uh, similar kind of cyclical kind of nature of human nature. You'll find the Israelites, God's chosen people who are following God. And then all of a sudden, they'll want to do their own thing. They'll want to go in their own direction. They will want to walk down their own path. They will want to make their own decisions. And they'll start ignoring God and doing their own thing. And along the way, God's like, no, my plan is perfect. And God's like, my will is perfect. And, and what I want you to be and to become is a lot better than what you want to be and to become. And so God, will, uh, God would get their attention a variety of different ways and, and get them to kind of come back to God. So through a series of just hard moments, the Israelites would finally kind of repent is the, 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 the Bible word to turn from their direction to face God and start heading in his direction and they would start following him again and God would be pleased and their lives would be going better and then they'd kind of come to this point where they're like, well, but our way is better than God's, and we just keep going in circles. A story of Jonah. Today, we're going to see this moment where Jonah runs from God, and then we're going to get into next week, and uh, God's going to get Jonah to a place where he gets Jonah's attention, and Jonah finally uh, realizes that God's plan is always best, and Jonah's going to experience God's grace. And then week three, Jonah actually follows in, in God's plan. And great things happen. And then by week four, it's going to be real interesting because we're going to see this real authentic moment in Jonah's life 
We see him kind of come back around and start questioning God again and questioning God's plan again and kind of saying to God, God, I know you're God, but I disagree with you. And wherever we get through this pl- that place where we say to God, God, I disagree with you, it always starts to go bad again. And so we're going to get this quick snapshot of this guy's life. Now, Jonah was one of 12, uh, which the Bible calls minor prophets. Uh, there's 12 prophetic books uh, that are kind of underneath that title of minor prophets in the Bible, in the Old Testament. There's 17 books of prophecy in the Old Testament altogether. Five of them are uh, what's kind of termed major prophets, and those are uh, Daniel and Ezekiel and Lamentations and Jeremiah and Isaiah. Those are the major prophets. And then there's 12 uh, minor uh, prophetic books. And they have uh, names like Obadiah and Amos and Hosea. And Jonah's one of them. Jonah's only talked uh, only a couple places in the entire Bible uh, outside of kind of his story, which is the book of Jonah. Uh, one time in 2 Kings, he's briefly mentioned. And the other two times are, are by Jesus. And what's interesting is, as I've interacted with people, uh, probably most of all of you have at least heard about Jonah and the whale getting eaten by the fish. That's just one of those common, like, no matter what your church background is, no matter how much you've gone to church, not gone to church, how much you believe in God, not believe in God, it, it comes around to, yeah, there's a guy and he got eaten by a big whale. Actually, the, it was more of a fish. We're not sure what type of fish it was. Uh, maybe it was a whale, who knows. But uh, uh, you've heard at least that part of the story. And I've encountered people that have just said, you know what, that, that could have never happened. This whole Jonah thing, it must be a parable or an allegory. It, it can't be real. And I just want to quickly speak into that, r- real quickly. And we could spend hours, days on this whole thought. But simply say this. One is, if God is God and God can do whatever God wants to do, it's, it's not unreasonable to think that God could make this happen. And there's countless stories like that in the Bible. I mean, moments where you're just like, oh, could that happen? And you have to just kind of get to this place going, well, if God is God, and God can do whatever God wants to do, and God has all the power in the known universe that he's created, this can happen. And so you've got you to gotta frame that. And there's many places in the Bible where you scratch your head going, well, could he? Well, it's God. Well, the second thing I would say to you is you've got to always read the Bible in this entire context. It's so easy to take one verse, one story, and just say, uh, can't happen. Don't believe it. I'm not sure about that. And I always challenge people, no, you got you to gotta read the entire Bible. Because you could say, well, I don't believe in that Jonah thing. No way that could have happened. You go to Matthew chapter 12. There's this moment where Jesus is talking. And he's talking about his death, his three days in the ground, and then his resurrection. And you know what Jesus does? He takes that moment that's going to happen to him, and he brings in the story of Jonah. And he says, just like Jonah spent three days in the belly of a fish, I'm going to spend three days in the ground, but I'm going to rise. Jesus takes the greatest moment ever ever on the face of this earth, his death and resurrection, and brings the story of Jonah right beside it. 
You don't have to believe in the story of Jonah. But what I would quickly challenge you to do is you got to deal with who God is and who Jesus is. Because right there, right in that moment, you'll start questioning who Jesus is. Now, that might be a thing for you. And that's, you're still journeying through that. And then I'd challenge you one other step is, but who is God for you? And you might be there. Again, that might be where you find yourself in your spiritual journey, which is great. You're, you're navigating through that. But then I would say to you is this. What you're going to learn from Jonah's life, I think is going to be invaluable for everyone here, no matter where you find yourself in your spiritual journey. Well, we're going to jump into Jonah chapter 1 today. And uh, this is how this story uh, kind of uh, starts. And again, we're not sure what was going on in Jonah's life before this, and we have no clue what was going to happen after this. But we get this snapshot, this, this brief moment in Jonah's life. It starts like this. Uh, Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. Well, over the weeks, we'll spend more time talking about Nineveh and uh, uh, the Syrians, who were, were kind of, that was part of their empire. Nineveh was a, a major city in the Syrian empire. And one of the things that you need to know about the Syrians is they're just wicked, evil, murderous people. It was a horrible nation. If you know anything about history, you'll know the Syrians, they were just those people. It'd be kind of like God coming to you and saying, hey, I want you to pack up everything and I want you to go to North, that's a critical word, North Korea. Or God coming to you and say, pack up everything and I want you to take yourself and your family and your small kids to Syria or Iran. You pick the nation right now. The worst nation in your mind. That's what God was saying to Jonah. Go to that place. I mean, how would you feel? What would your quick answer be? Emotionally, what would be going on within you? And that's what God was saying to Jonah. But for me, as I read through this, it's, it's when it says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. We're not sure how the word came to Jonah. I mean, throughout the Bible, God spoke in many different ways. To Moses, he spoke through a burning bush. Uh, uh, God got Balaam's attention. You can read this in Numbers chapter 22. Through talking, opening uh, Balaam's donkey's mouth. The donkey started talking to Balaam. It's a crazy story. Read it. All these different ways. Uh, To Elijah. Elijah was in the side of, of a cave. This is through a gentle whisper God spoke. However God spoke to Jonah, it was clear. It was concise. Jonah knew exactly what God wanted him to do. How does God speak to us today? There are several ways. One, One of the major ways is through this book, the Bible. It's how we get to know God. It's how we learn uh, who God is and what he wants from us. It's the major way. It's why I teach constantly through this. It's why uh, I like to get 
chunks of scripture and just teach through that chunk instead of like 10 different verses from all over the Bible because I want you to start interacting with this book because it will change your life. It really will. I had someone several weeks ago come up to me and they said, hey, you said this thing on stage and uh, I, I don't think I agree with that. And I said, time out. You need to say, I don't agree with Jesus. Because that is what Jesus said. I'm always... Now, if I misquote scripture, hold me accountable to that. But be careful. You can get frustrated with what I say or whoever else is communicating, but I quickly come back to someone and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't get frustrated with me. It's a great place to be in. Get, get frustrated with God. That's fine. But don't pin this thing on me. It's why the Bible guides this church. In uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says this, All scripture is God-breathed, meaning God-inspired. God took a whole list of people, and he spoke into them, and they captured his story, and his heart. It's quite amazing how the Bible came together, that all of this is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. I mean, you think about those words. I mean, it teaches us. It's why we use this book here a lot. But it's there to rebuke and correct And that's usually when someone says to me, I don't agree with this. I don't agree what the Bible says with this. What that really translates to me, they have something in their life they don't want to change. And the Bible's convicting them. I don't know if you found that out for you, but I know that's the case for me. The Bible's there for God to say, hey, you're going down this path and that's the wrong path. You need to go down this path. The Bible's there to say, hey, you need to pay attention to these things. So many times people think that the Bible is this list of do's and don'ts. I'm like, it's not about do's and don'ts. It's about God wanting the best for you, and God being the creator of you knows what's best for you. But yet we want to do our own thing and go down our own path and make our own decisions, and we end up in the ditch, and then we get mad at God for allowing that to happen. And that's why the Bible's there, to correct and rebuke and to train in all righteousness. What does that mean? Wherever you find yourself on, uh, on the spiritual journey, God's goal with you is to become like Christ. Not to be Christ. We can can never do that. He's God. But the bar's that high. And God wants us to be the best version of you, of me. He wants you to be the best version of you that he's created. And so training in righteousness is becoming like God in all areas. And it's a pursuit that you'll claw through. 
and crawl through and you'll re- reach the finish line of your life and then you'll be at the right hand side of God going, hey God, I made it. And he goes, now it's time to have fun. Timothy ends this little section. He says this, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. See, that's the power of the Bible. It's there for you. Another way that that we hear God's voice is through other people. It's why God used uh, prophets like Jonah. It's why he uses other people in your life. And I I would ask you this, who's in your life right now that's just a little further down the road spiritually in their kind of spiritual journey. I mean, don't hold them up. I mean, they're as human as you. They will make mistakes. They will hurt you uh, intentionally, unintentionally. Like, they're human. But who's that person who's just a little bit down the road from you spiritually that you're allowing to speak into your life? And I got a small group of guys. I was on the phone with a guy uh, Friday in, the, in my car. I was, I was traveling. And... Uh, we talked 35 minutes, and he's one of those guys that can speak directly into my life, and I can speak directly into his life. Who's in your life? I mean, I, I so appreciated uh, what Rich had to say today. You know, that's what he was saying. I have two people in my life that in this issue are just a little further down the road than I am, and I needed to hear their voice. And I'm sure in other ways, Rich is further down the road and other spiritual issues. We all need that because God's going to use people to speak into our lives. And the third way is the Holy Spirit. And uh, uh, we talk a lot about God the Father and God the Son, Jesus, but so little time speaking about God the Holy Spirit who's here to indwell in us. So many times people talk about their conscience. I just quickly, no, that's the Holy Spirit. Right, right before you're about to do something that you know you shouldn't do and you have that sense inside of you, sometimes it's screaming inside of you, don't! It's the Holy Spirit screaming, don't! We should listen to that. God is working in you and through you and all around you. The question is, are you going to pay attention to him? So the word of the Lord came to Jonah. And listen to what Jonah did. Verse 3. But Jonah ran away. Isn't that classic? Here's what I know in this room today. This includes me. All of us have run from God at one point in our life. All of us have something in our life right now that we either are running from God with or we want to run from God with. And all of us one day will run from God again. For some of you, you're in really good shape from running from God. I mean, you're thinking about the Olympics right now. For some of you, this is your first step back in to say, I'm tired of running from God. We're going to look at four different things that happen uh, when we run from God. And uh, I, I think... For, for all of you, again, uh, there's going to be moments in your life that you're like, ah, yep, that's true. Because I know for me, as I read through this story, there's all these moments, and I'm like, yep, I've been there. Yep, I'm there now. Yep, one day, 
Uh, hopefully not, but I'm a realist. I might get there again. So verse 3 goes on. It says, Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a shipboat uh, for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. You see, the first thing is runners run to far, dangerous, and irrational places. Think about that for your life. When you know what God wants from you, when you know that what you're doing doesn't glorify and please God, what do you do? You run to far dangerous and irrational places. How far did Jonah run? Look at this map. Uh, what you'll see is uh, Joppa is down here and his hometown of gath Hepfer is right below Joppa. God just wanted him to go a few hundred miles up to Nineveh. Just a few hundred miles. Tarshish. It was the furthest place away in the known world. I could just hear Jonah saying, you know, at the ticket counter, uh, what's the furthest place I can go? Tarshish. Nah, give me that. Round trip? Nope. I mean, several thousand miles. He's like, I want to go there. Dangerous? They didn't have Princess Cruise Lines back then. They had a boat, like, chiseled with, I don't know, like a stick. If you can chisel wood with a stick, you try wrapped with, with rope and duct tape was around back then, by the way. I don't know if you know that. That was how the boat, I mean, they were just barely put together several thousand miles on the sea. And irrational? Can you outrun God? Think about that. Do you really think you can outrun God? Do you think you can hide from God? Do you think that that can ever be accomplished? But guess what we do? We try with all our might. We run and we run and we run to the furthest, most dangerous most irrational place. I've seen it over and over again in relationships. God wants a relationship to be healed. Instead of that person facing that relationship and working on that relationship and fighting for that relationship, they run to the furthest most dangerous, most irrational relationship they can find. Past issues. Instead of facing the past, instead of working through all the hurt and pain from the past, instead of allowing God to heal them of the past, they run to the furthest, most dangerous, most irrational fix for the past. They're angry with God, they run. Instead of facing God and telling God how angry they are. Where do you find yourself running? 
What are you running from? What is that place you find yourself in? Where's Tarshish for you? The story goes on. Verse four, it says, Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the the cargo into the sea and lightened the ship. Runners, ignore God's warning signs. Now, this wasn't just some small storm. This wasn't just some small little squall that kind of rose up. These were seasoned sailors. They had made this trip from Joppa to Tarshish probably countless times. Plus, these sailors probably grew up as small boys on a boat. Their dads grew up on the boat, and their dads grew up. I mean, that's what happened. They're from, I mean, a whole lineage of sailors. These were hardened, seafaring men, and they were crying out? They were scared? How absurd is that? That storm had to be that bad. And not only were they crying in fear, they started chucking the cargo overboard, which means all of their money. It was just money. It's like, go to your bank, withdraw all the money from your account, sit by your shredder at home and just start shredding it. That's what they were doing. Overboard. God brings warning signs into our life all the time. The storm for Jonah was God saying, hey, Jonah, you're not following my plan. Hey, Jonah, you're headed in the wrong direction. Hey, Jonah, I'm God. I will win. Better stop now. Hey, Jonah, I need you to impact an entire nation of people. I have a plan for you. It's a warning sign. What are the warning signs in your life? Always look at relationships. Is your entire relational world in chaos? Because God created us for relationships. It's how he created us. I hope you understand. Like He wants us in relationships. It's a warning sign. If all the relationships around you are in chaos, maybe there's a storm brewing around you. Maybe you're in seclusion. I mean, you're just hunkered down in your house and you've just blocked everyone else out. It's a warning sign. Maybe it's ignoring wise advice. I mean, people are trying to talk to you and you just, you say, people don't understand, and that person doesn't get it, and that person, if they were in my shoes, they wouldn't, and you have an excuse for what everyone else is saying to you. Maybe for you, it's an addictive behavior. Some of you might know my story. Um, Some of you might not. I shared it back in the fall, but uh, my wife and I went through a pretty intense season of life when we lost our son, and uh, I will never forget this moment. We were at uh, a wedding and uh, there was a period of years where our oldest daughter, Kiera, was uh, a flower girl for uh, just, I don't know how many different weddings. There was like a three-year period where I was like, oh man, we should market her and we can make a lot of money. 
And uh, I mean, she was just the cutest little girl. She's a beautiful young lady now. But uh, we're in all these weddings. Like, she's the flower girl. She's the flower girl. So we went to this wedding, and there was a trigger that set me off. I mean, I'm not sure what it was for, uh, to this day, but something set me off. And I found myself driving home. We pulled over to a, gas, or to a grocery store, and, um, and I bought a two liter of Coke and uh, I don't know how many liters of rum. And uh, this is what I remember. I got home, and I started filling up a cup with this much Coke and that much rum. And the last thing I remembered was, I think it was just all rum. And uh, I woke up the next morning uh, with in a bad place. And my wife looked at me and all she had to say was, that was bad. And all I had to say was, yeah, remove the alcohol from the house. She did. Hit it. Put it somewhere. And for the next nine to 10 months, I didn't touch it. Why? She knew. I listened to her and I knew. Because I knew the pathway out of that it's going to be a dark, dark pathway if I didn't correct that. And I didn't put up some guardrails. I just knew the storm was brewing all around me. And it was one of those moments where I realized how much help I needed because I was so angry at God. What is it for you? What is it for you? Well, the story goes on and it gets more absurd. Listen to what Jonah did. But Jonah, okay, remember the storm? I mean, the sailors, the captain, were scared for their life. Okay, this is what Jonah does. But Jonah had gone uh, below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. He took a nap. Why not? (laughs) The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. You see, runners can't see the chaos surrounding them. Who do you right now, you don't have to show your hands, um, who do you uh, know right now who, I mean, literally their entire world is just chaos and you can see it. Maybe you're trying to tell them that. I mean, it's so obvious uh, for you. You're like, their, their life is about ready to implode. Let me flip that question. Is that your world right now? And can you see it? I spent about 20 years in youth ministry working with teenagers. And uh, I remember there's this uh, pretty long season of, of, of uh, working with teenagers within the church context. And uh, uh, my wife and I weren't even parents yet, which was hilarious because parents would come to me and want me to do uh, uh, family counseling. And we didn't have kids. I was like, that's ridiculous. Um, but I knew teenagers. And this is what almost always, and when I say almost always, I'm giving it like a 98% of the time type of almost always happened. Parents would come, mom, dad, both of them individually, didn't matter, would come, sit down and say, hey, my kid's messed up. They'd list out all the things that they're messed up with. And, uh, and they would say, you need to fix them. They wouldn't say that, but that's what they meant. Hey, you're the pastor of teenagers, fix them. And uh, I would sit there, listen to the story, and I'm like, yeah, your kids are messed up. But I'd come back, and I'd ask a simple question. How's your marriage? And I would always get this type of response. Well, you know, we're going through a rough patch right now, but 
We've protected it from the kids. Parents, free parenting advice right now. Your kids know the condition of your marriage. Parents, your kids know what's going on behind the scenes. Parents, your kids know about your addiction. Parents, your kids know if there's other people involved. Parents, your kids know. They might not be able to articulate it. They might not be able to give you specifics, but I promise you, they know. And they're reflecting the chaos in your marriage. That's free, by the way. I'd pull kids into that meeting and I'd ask the kids a simple question. How's the marriage? How's your parents doing? And almost to the person, they would say, I just don't know when they're going to get a divorce. Or my dad, man, what he's choosing to do. My mom, who she's talking to on the side. And I'd pull mom and dad back in. I'd say, fix your relationship. Get your addiction and get some help for it. Face what, what's going on in your world. And if you start working on you, your kids, they'll be okay. We can't see the chaos around us. And that's why we need great people speaking into our lives. But we also have to listen to those people. Well, the story goes on, and uh, Jonah comes kind of uh, from his nap, and uh, he sits on, uh, on the top of the boat with the other sailors, and they cast lots, which is a whole other story. It's kind of a cool story, and uh, we see that throughout the Bible, and kind of they cast these lots, and it kind of pointed to Jonah, that Jonah was the guilty one, and Jonah finally confesses and says, well, throw me overboard. So they throw him overboard, and as soon as he touched the water, the waters became calm. And this is how this story ends. Verse 17. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. You see, runners always, always end up in a worse situation. Always. Because when you're not walking the path that God has created for you, when you're not following God's will for your life, I mean, that's, again, we come back to people who say, well, the Bible's a bunch of do's and don'ts. I'm like, no. Even if you don't believe in God, this is a great roadmap for your life. It's going to keep you out of a whole list of troubles and heartache. But God will always, always get your attention. I hope you understand that. And sometimes you have to get to a worst place in life, a worse situation in life for you to finally understand what God wants from you. And we're going to see next week the conversation Jonah has with God and the grace that God gives Jonah. But today, I hope you know, wherever you find yourself spiritually, 
that God is pursuing you. No matter how far you run, no matter how dangerous a path you find yourself on, God will pursue you. Why? His love drives himself to pursue you. His love demands that he has a relationship with you. Whether you want him or not, whether you're angry with him or not, whether you believe in him or not, whether you want to follow him or not, whether you like what he has to say to you or not, God will always pursue you because he loves you that deeply. Even to the point where he will whip up storms around your life to get your attention so that maybe you will face him, that maybe you will listen to him, that maybe you will follow him, that maybe you'll turn your life around. And walk in his footsteps. But he does it for one reason. Because he loves you. That deeply. That he will pursue you. That consistently. That he'll never let you go. Never. Because you can't outrun God. 